it's a lot of work and not something to take lightly, but oh, absolutely. For the experience, if you're feeling like you're not getting anywhere where you are, the opportunities here, the people you can meet, if you're willing to work really, 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 really hard, then absolutely. This is this is the place to be. If you're really serious, if, if, you're, not, if you're not serious about it, I'd be like, maybe, you know, have a think, uh, see how you're going. But if, you, if you're really serious and you want to give it a crack, then there's, I mean, not that there's no other way, but I would say, for me, there was no other way. I had to come here. And I'm really glad I did. And I will continue to be here and work as hard as I can. You're listening to An Actor and a Mic, a podcast focused on the often tumultuous but spectacular journeys of Australian artists. I'm Griffin Walsh, and welcome to episode four. I just woke up from a very, very large sleep-in, so isolation's been going well for me. I was up all night doing a, a uni assignment, and, well, it turns out Doing an acting degree online is um, more difficult than just doing it in person. <laughs> so that's been interesting. Hope you're all staying safe and well and, um, I don't know, fit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I hope you're looking forward to episode four of An Actor and a Mic. Today, my interview is with uh, Earl Marrows. He's a composer with a passion for many other facets of art. Uh, his journey has taken him from Melbourne, uh, and that's where I met him, uh, all the way to New York, where he now studies a master's degree at NYU, which is pretty impressive. During this interview, it became clear to me that the opportunities that had been afforded to him by studying at NYU seemed uh, amazing, almost unbelievable. However, it's just as obvious that he didn't get there without a grueling effort and a passion for what he does. I, I really appreciate Earl as a human being. He's a brilliant and funny man who he clearly has a bright future in music. Uh, so I'm glad he's over in New York representing Australia's emerging talent. I'd also like to note that I had a lot of fun just doing this interview. And despite not being able to ask very specific music questions, because I'm not that way inclined, now you still get an idea of the journey he has taken and why he's gone that way. So I hope you get something out of this, even if you aren't planning on becoming a composer. So yeah, I recorded this quite a while ago, so I hope, Earl, if you're out there, you're still safe. Uh, I appreciate you doing this interview with me, and... The last thing I'll note is he's currently over in New York and there is a moment where the call dropped out and I think it's at about 31 minutes, so if the audio changes a bit, that's why. Uh, but other than that, I'm going to let you get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy!
Hello and welcome to episode four of An Actor and a Mic. I'm joined today by Earl Marrows, a songwriter, a musical collaborator, and at one point um, an aspiring actor, a man of many talents. Uh, how's New York suiting you, Earl? Yeah, good so far. Um, it, it, it's weird in that it has an immense number of similarities to Melbourne, Australia, but it's, it's the tiny things that are slightly wrong that <laughs> what makes the experience a bit weird. But no, I'm having an absolutely fantastic time, um, soaking in as much art as I, can, uh, as I can, made a whole bunch of new friends. I'm living in Brooklyn right now, uh, wow. living in suburb called crown heights which uh according to google maps's safety rating is in an orange zone so <laughs> it's not in a red zone so it's not like guarantee that i'm gonna get shot but it's like if i get shot it's like yeah, yeah like that's <laughs> <laughs> so a great neighborhood we've got a nice little bodega nearby um but it's it's yeah we're, we're having a good time commuting um, to manhattan pretty much every day but yeah it's good Jeez, okay that's rough but i'm, I'm glad you're settling in yeah, no, doing okay. yeah living with uh, four housemates all from around the world. I'm living with a Californian, uh, French-Canadian, and a Turkish guy, and uh, my girlfriend, Gina, uh, as well. So that's a, that's really great. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you and I did discuss before we started recording sort of what this podcast is about, so you're somewhat aware. Somewhat. Um, so I would like to start um, a sort of – Right back at the beginning, because that's what I do with all my guests. Um, did you always have an inclination to make music, or was there some kind of like a certain spark that struck a chord? Yeah. Pardon like, the pun. <laughs> uh, like yes, and no. yes and no. Um, so I started piano lessons when I was like five years old, and it, it was a re- it was initially like kind of like an obligation, like it's a school thing. It's like you do piano lessons, you do that. So I didn't initially have any any great uh passion for it but i i got to performing more and more um where i grew up in mildura there's a thing that they do every year called the estedford and it's basically where all the kids get up and play like a piece or two um it's competition sometimes you can win up to like ten dollar prizes which is like big deal when you're a kid because that's like a happy meal and if yeah if i won mum would actually would go out and get a happy meal that's what i would spend it on that was great and so the more and more and more i did that i started to enjoy it i liked performing in front of people i liked you know um working towards something having like a goal and like something that i really wanted to um practice for and make something that i was kind of proud of and then it was like the community sort of aspect uh, i really used to enjoy it was like every time i would go to these steadfords or these little performances it'd be the same kind of group of kids and we'd all be like well i haven't seen you in a couple of weeks like what are you working on and like and we'd have like this common ground. And so, yeah, for, for a while it was like I was going to be like a classical pianist was kind of the the goal. But then I had absolutely no interest in sitting for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours at a piano learning thing. So I was like, well, f*** it. Bleep it. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, was like, uh, uh, I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to write the pieces. I'm going to be like, I, my fingers are never going to be fast enough to play them, but I'm going to write some really hard stuff and make those other guys practice and learn it. So I like, <laughs> yes. basically my artistic passion started out of spite. And I think that's a really powerful motivator. Yeah, uh, 100%. Definitely. definitely. But it's, it's what it was. It was like, I started creating music because I kind of needed that outlet musically because I started to really enjoy it. But I um, just sort of recognized that, that I wasn't, I didn't have that. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't at that level physically as a musician. So I was like, I wanted to express my music. In a, I, I mean, I was 14 years old, so I, I struggled to say the word intellectual. But <laughs> in, 
in an intellectual kind of way. And at the same time, I was like, I uh, had started acting in um, like local productions because mum found one in the paper and was like, do you want to go audition? And I played uh, Dopey the Dwarf in an illegal parody of Snow White. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> and that, that started. And so it was like all of those things together. I loved the theater. And then I, yeah, sort of like creating my own stuff. I, I always liked more than following someone else's. But like when I was following the sheet music, I would be like, ah, I could play what's there or I could just do something a little bit different because I like it better. So you grew up in Mildura. Yes. Where, where the hell and what the hell is that? Very good question. Mildura is when you're watching the uh, 7 o'clock news and they're going through the weather and it's the place that is always the hottest. Every time <laughs> you see it, it's in the top northwestern corner of Victoria. About a six-hour drive from Melbourne. How I describe Mildura is it's when the dirts finally start. You get close enough to the middle where the dirt starts to turn red. And it oh, starts geez. to become that kind of quintessential Australian image of, like, a country town. So, yeah, I lived there for the first 18 years of my life. It's a great place. It's, um, you know, it's got a burgeoning art scene. It's still definitely very, very, very small. But, they're you know, <laughs> and, like, they have the community theatres and they have the Estedford. And so, like, I found, like, a home there and I really liked that. On the weekends, I'd be there's the massive Murray River that comes through Mildura, which is the border of Victoria. And so, yeah, every weekend I would be out on the river, water skiing or kneeboarding. And so Mildura was a great place to to grow up. I went to school. My primary school was Trinity Lutheran College. I went there for ten years, and then I went to the public school for my high school year eleven and twelve, and I did Mildura Senior College. Wild, wild, wild experience. <laughs> and then, yeah. so growing up in this small town with it's small art scene. What prompted the decision to study music at a university level? Why Why did you not try and busk or perform at gigs and sort of head through that line? That's, that's a question that I ask myself every single day, especially when I look at the debt from the university degrees. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but I think there's a lot. A, a lot. Um, when I was going through year 12, I sort of had these aspirations of more sensible careers. I was. I remember in, when I was year 10, I was. I did my work experience at a law firm, and I was going to be a lawyer. And then when I got to year 11 and 12, I did. I, I didn't do music subjects in school or drama subjects because I was like, they're not. You know, that's a side thing, and it's it's fun and all good, but it's not what you're meant to be focusing on. So I did like physics and chemistry, and like I was I was at least the plan was go to the University of Melbourne and become a doctor. And then I don't know what what it was. There was like it was around so like the the Australian school year ends in, yeah in like November, and so um, it was around I think it was like August or September, and I started thinking this isn't what I want to do. I didn't find the joy. Like, I think it's important to the things that you work really hard at to still find a joy in them. And I wasn't finding the joy in what I was doing at high school. I mean, but who does ever? But I was finding joy because this is when I was starting to compose. And like, I would be, I could spend, you know, four hours studying chemistry and I would hate myself, but I could spend eight hours straight composing something. And I would feel no, like not tired by the end of those eight hours, I would feel invigorated and I would want to stay out. I was like, this is maybe this is the kind of thing I actually want to work for. And so I think, so, and so I was like, well, yeah, I, I had a look at the, there's a bunch of degrees um, and I found the arts and music degree at Monash. And I, it, it was a great program because it allowed me to do both my theater side and my acting, which I really, really loved as well. And my composition at the same time, whereas some other degrees uh, throughout Australia are kind of like limited in scope and you do, you do the one thing. 
And so, like, the question about university is, like, it's probably, like, a like a societal pressure thing. Like, you feel like you, once you finish high school, you feel like you should go to university. Like, so, I, as I said, I don't know if that was the right career move for a young musician. Like, I think that you can do a lot and be very successful without a university degree. And, like, there's something to be said for not having a university degree and really, like, experiencing and learning music that way in a less, in, in a less regimented kind of way. But, yeah, so I, I, I basically, my reasoning behind it was because I was 18 didn't know better and felt like that was what I should do and I'm very (laughs) very 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 glad that I did though my life would have turned out completely differently had I not I don't know how it would have turned out but this is the way I went and I'm very happy I went that way but at the time you like it like yeah when you're 18 you just kind of do what you feel like you should do and that's what I did yep yeah and I did the same I I feel that on on a spiritual level because that's why I did pretty well in school everyone yep I'll go to uni. Yeah, yeah, it's like, cool, all right, that's my next step. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, it's really hard, I think, and maybe that's why I'm here in a master's program now as well. It's like once once you finish something, to like to know what the next step is without something telling you what the next step is, it's, it's terrifying, completely terrifying. So when you're that young and you have no idea where you want to go, you, you I think you crave the security that is an institution that's like one you've known your whole life. Yeah, true, that's kind of terrifying when you think about it, right? Mm, like when you leave and you just have it's like now go live your life like what does that mean yeah what what life don't i just get yeah. told what to do like, and it's like if you want to have a career in music and you're in mildura it's like well where do i go there's no so i think i would have always had to have moved to a bigger city to find the opportunities it's like you've got to know people you've got to know connection you've got to know who's got a studio like who plays this instrument how can we communicate who's got a production going on and so like i think the great thing about university for me particularly is that it um it connects you with people and the more people you can be connected with, particularly in the arts, I think you'll have a better time of it. And so that's kind of why I did it. So yeah, I don't really know anything about it. Like I composed and I did it all by feel. And I didn't know anything. And I still feel like I don't know anything. But I think that's the beauty of art and music is that the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. I wanted to actually learn how to do the thing that I love and how to do it really well and how to find a way to make it sensible, which was the university thing, was to put it in a sensible box. Yeah, of course. And and you were talking about how you thought the Monash degree wasn't uh, specifically narrow-minded and mm. sort of that allowed you to branch out to these other things. You you have a passion for other kinds of art. I completely. I think I think you can't be. I mean, maybe you can't. But like as a generalization. But to, to be an artist is you need to you need to kind of drink it all in and you need to um, have passion for everything. If you if you're not, then like what are you doing? You need to you need to throw yourself in completely and fully to whatever you're doing. And so. Like, I love visual art, I love, um, I mean, music, audio, like, I love theatre, I love film, and it's finding those things that you love. And that's what the Monash degree, if we talk specifically, is that I think uh, it's really good, is because you can do these double degrees, so which I did was an arts degree and a um, music degree. And within the arts degree, the scope was so wide, I could do whatever I want, so I was doing units in, yeah, film and television, units in theatre, units in philosophy, units in gamelan music. Like, it's like, you can do anything. And so, like, you learn so much. And I think that's really, 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 really useful. And why that um, particular degree, I think, is really, really wonderful is because you just have the entire artistic world at your fingertips. And the more of it you can take in, the better. And I just want to take in more. And it allowed me to be acting was my other passion. It was like, I wanted to pursue that and do it, take it a bit more seriously and allow me to do that as well as music. Whereas um, the other programs I was looking at, it was like, I would either, I would do a just acting degree or I would do a just music degree. And these would be the things that I would do. I was I, I mean, and again, it's probably because I was an 18 year old kid who didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, <laughs> keep my options open. I might want to do this. I might want to do this. I want to get as good as I can at any of them. And then, yeah, see how that kind of works out. Yeah. And and did you end up finishing your degree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I, I it was a double degree. So I um, did the Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Music. I finished that in four years. And then I was like, what am I going to do now? And so I did an honors degree at the same university at Monash. And so I wrote my thesis. My, 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 my This is when I started to realize my passion for musical theater was coming about. It was a, a combination for my passion for theater and my passion for music. They sort of started coming together. And so when I got to my honors year, I was like, yeah, musical theater, this is kind of the thing. And like I wrote a thesis about because I'm also passionate about pop music and like how that uh, interacts with this, um, with the th- music of the theater and how they are um, in conversation with one another, how they sometimes are opposites of one another and how they can't function together or how they can function together. And so I was really interested wow. in that. Wrote a thesis on that. It was fine. Uh, probably not. <laughs> the best, but it was a really interesting experience looking at those two worlds and exploring like the differences and the similarities. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It, it sounds super interesting. I would have never thought about the ideas of sort of pop music making any sort of sense in a musical theatre genre. I mean, yeah, sometimes it really struggles to, and sometimes when you go in that direction, it can absolutely not work, but then sometimes you can have really exciting things which go in that direction and they work. Or the other way is you can have music that is inherently theatrical working really well in a pop scene. And so I, I find interest in um, uh, art forms, this is a specific, but like in art that crosses the boundary between what it actually is. Like it's like if it's theatre, but it transformed into like maybe it's not just theatre, or if it's a visual piece maybe it's auditory elements to it as well and like yeah not art being like these separate isolated worlds because everything's in conversation with one another um yeah i love that that's that's actually yeah so you ended up finishing your degree and you did your honors Mm. um in that quite interesting topic and then you were talking about how you perhaps went oh i don't know how to do the real world so i'll go to another institution um, Basically, so, what it is. Yeah. so tell me about why you applied for um, NYU, the New yeah, York well, University. I've been having a, a, a bit of moderate success in Australia, um, working around doing some stuff. I wrote a couple of musicals in Australia. I wrote for a television program for about a year, which was really, really cool. But I basically, I felt like there was, as a young composer, it, it, it's very and you can succeed in Australia, but I think you need to be a, a bit more established because our, because our art scene is, is quite small. It's very hard for a young person to break through and get themselves to the level that they want to be where they can actually support themselves with their art. Um, so I was doing these small things that I was, you know, proud of at the time. And I'm still I'm very proud of. But I was, I was thinking, I was finding it difficult to break through that next layer. And so, and then um, Yvonne Versic, who's the artistic director of Monash Uni Student Theatre, there's the plug. Thank you, Yvonne. She used to get mad at me when I mentioned her in interviews and didn't give the full. <laughs> That's the full thing. Um, she said to me, she was, she said, you know, you, you can very happily be here in Australia and do the thing here, and you, you'll do all right. But she's like, I think what you need to do is you kind of need to leave. And I, I thought, yeah, I, the, the first thought was a very terrifying thought because I, su- I had such a wide network of collaborators and friends and obviously family in Australia. But she was very right in that it seemed that there was a ceiling that I couldn't breach unless I went away and met new people, met new collaborators, opened up my world, realized that I was a tiny, tiny fish in a ridiculous ocean. And so that, so that when I... If, I mean, I, I'm, I'm unsure, but like when or if I come back to Australia, I've done the things over here that perhaps give me the ability, over here in the, in the States, uh, give me the ability to come back and perhaps get further up than I would have had I not left. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, that's kind of kind of the vibe. And so, I, yeah, I applied and the application process was the most in- 
yeah, NYU application process for this course is insane. I think I wrote 60 pages of short answer essay questions, and then I had to write 20 minutes of music, get it recorded, and then they had a bunch of songs they had to write specifically. It was it was completely insane. I remember opening up the application and just being like, oh. And, but then at, at that point, I, w- I was like, no, I have to do this. Um, and so I, I did it. It was one of the most stressful. I think I, I did the information for that application had been available for months and I only discovered it in the last month before the application was due. And I was like, Oh, shit. so that was incredible. But I put it all, all this stuff together. And cause I was like, I really was inspired by what Yvonne told me. She's like, you kind of need to go and have this experience. And so I'm like, cool, this is what I'm, and now I'm here. And I think she was completely right. I have loved this experience. It's, it's, it's been completely fantastic, terrifying in a lot of ways, but uh, yeah, now I'm here. What was that? What was that moment like when you found out you'd been accepted after doing this grueling sort of application process? Yeah. Oh, so there's a couple of rounds to it. So we did the grueling application, then you, I got the second round offer, and I remember getting that, and I, my phone flashed up at three in the morning because it was from an American thing, so it's like time zones are wrong, and I remember seeing it was from NYU. And going, no, I'm not going to look into the morning because it's going to be like, I just, I'm not, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And then obviously 10 minutes later, I was like, no. And so I was saying it, we were on a summer holiday. I was at the beach in the lawn and I opened it and said, yep, you're here. Let's do it. And so I then went on a night walk along the beach as the sun was rising because I could not get back to sleep. And yeah, and then there was another stage to that. I told mom and dad the next morning, they were like, holy crap, this is real. This is happening. It was like, it was like really, it was like, like it was exciting, but also, oh God, now this is going to have to happen. And then, so yeah, I, got, I did the second stage, which involved collaborating and FaceTiming and Skyping and interviews with all these people and like meeting everyone. And then I did all that and that was really terrifying. And then, yeah, I got the email again at 3am another about two months later in Melbourne. And it was a weird, it was a mix of like excitement and oh my God, this is amazing. And oh God, I have to find an apartment in Brooklyn. Like, oh, oh, there are so many things that, oh, uh, I have to do a lot. Uh, Oh, visas are hard to get. Like, it's like, you feel like it's like the ending is when you get the acceptance. It's like, I'm done. This is the goal achieved. But it's like, it's just the start of the next set of bureaucratic nonsense. Yeah. To get. <laughs> you got to work out what's American health insurance. What, you know, like. Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah wow. Much extra nonsense involved in international travel. Inter- like, well, not travel, but like living internationally. Yeah, of course. Mm. But I'm, I'm super happy that you did make that leap but that's terrifying genuinely yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean I can thoroughly recommend it but at the time you're like whoa is this yeah what am i doing so you've been there for you've done a, a semester and a bit now yeah uh, i want to hear about your sort of first semester in in nyu yeah. and um because it's such a, an amazing and sort of terrifying sort of step and one that I would be scared to make. So I just I want to tell me how you've made it work. Yeah, well, so yeah, it was. It was completely terrifying. Absolutely. And But you're completely welcomed by the, uh, the the faculty at NYU are so amazing and they were so welcoming and, like, kind. And then and then you slowly it, – it's crazy because they're, they're all people that you've heard about when you're in Australia, that you, like, you know them and you know their work, like Steve Lutvac, and, and it's like you know who they are. And then and they're, they're Tony winners and they're incredible people. And then – they're your teachers and they're like hi Earl and they know your name and you're hanging out with them and it's <laughs> it's completely bizarre it is yeah. completely 
bizarre. Um, and so like, and you, and you want to work hard because these are people you've admired for a really, really long time and you're like, I can finally get a chance to show you what I can do. And so that's, that's really cool. And then you, you're full of, uh, there's 30 of us in our class um, now and they're all so, so amazingly talented that you, you push yourself every week because it's like, they're showing up. So I'm going to like, it's, I'm going to write the next best piece and they're going to write the next best piece. So I'm going to write the next best piece the week after and we're going to keep writing. And so we've kind of snowballed into this ridiculous nonsense where we're all, where we could just be writing simple songs. We're all orchestrating and we're all going nuts. <laughs> And they're all like multi and it's, it's great because you're pushed not only by the faculty and the teaching staff, but you're pushed by each other, your cohort. Everyone wants to be better because they want to be better for each other. And it's so collaborative as well. It's um, The program is based around, um, I'm a composer and we have people who are called words persons. Um, uh, and they do the words, they do the script and they do the lyrics. And you, what, you see each other's work and you're like, cool, I want to write a song with this guy. And when you write a song with them, like you, you work really hard so that you can do something really cool with them. It's, it's just really, really cool. It's very different to Australia. I, I think uh, Australia has made great strides in terms of well-being and mental health with regard to workload in the arts which I think in some ways is the one thing that I think the United States falls, but perhaps, I don't think so, but it's, it's there. It's more of a, it's like you want to be good and you want to work hard. Whereas Australia, it's like, Hey, take some time for you. Like do your work, but don't, but here it's like, you, you really have to show up every day and you know, you're staying up late nights and you're, you're making the work as best as you can. Although to be fair that this year we like people have been like, no, let's take time for us. Like it's, you know, it's just school. It's just, it's just music. But there, there is that slight culture difference between Australia and America. Is in America, it's, there are so many people who want these spots and want these jobs that if you're not working super hard for them, maybe the next person will work harder than you. It's a pro and a con. Um, it's yeah. a pro because you make better stuff and you push yourself further and you're giving yourself the best chance you can to succeed. Yeah. Uh, but a con in that sometimes I don't sleep very much. And <laughs> I like sleep. Uh Gina has a 5 a.m. shift at her coffee shop the next day, and I am at the piano writing music till 4. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that's not the most ideal situation. But that song was dope, so... <laughs> oh, that sounds, that sounds great. You sound like you're doing, doing really well over there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's been incredibly stressful. Mm. Like, how, how did you even find an apartment in Brooklyn? <laughs> Nearly didn't. Um, but thankfully, the testament to the program is that somebody set up a Facebook group for everyone in our program and we all got accepted, which was great because we could all stalk each other and see who the people would be spending the next uh, two years with, which, which I definitely did. And then there was a Facebook chat. It was like, who needs to find a place? We all got together. A couple of people like split off into groups, got a house. And then lovely Katie, the wonderful housemate uh, that is to my right in the next room over, found this place. And I was like, cool. I uh, wasn't completely convinced she was a real person when she started asking for me to send the rent money. Um, but I was like, oh, fine, I got to do it. I got to do it. It's, it's like, if this is a scam, this is like a really elaborate, well put together scam. Like she seems like a real person. Like they wouldn't, you know, so I, I did it and it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. So yeah, I think you also mentioned before, I think it was a Facebook post you wrote ages ago, your sort of checkup with everyone, which I found hilarious. I think you wrote something about how you'd written some things for Netflix. Well, so oh. um, yeah, one of the one of the um, teachers in our program is Pat Irwin. Who do you know the band the B52s? Yeah, of course. They wrote the number Love Shack. He's the guitarist in that band. Yeah, so um, he, we have class with him, and so he. That's awesome. Oh my god, it was insane when he told us he, he was in the band that played Love Shack. I was like, 
you're kidding. That song is amazing. What, how, what, you are a real person. And so we did, I did a film music class with him and he gave us all the rough cuts that he was, uh, that he had. And so we got, we got to actually work with the real cuts that he was given for television. We got to work with them and write music and collaborate with him. It was, it was a very, 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 very cool experience. It was amazing. Yeah. And just like, we go, like I, I, I got to have, you know, a private time in his studio in Queens, which is this massive, beautiful studio. It's got all these old school guitars that he would have played on in those B-52 recordings. Um, and so, yeah, you just got to hang out there with him, watch scenes. He would talk about, like, how he approaches stuff. You'd look at his music and then you'd show him your stuff and you'd bounce back and forth ideas. That was a really, really solid experience, actually. I was very happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why. That's uh, that's phenomenal. This time difference thing is seriously spinning me out, too. Because I keep yeah. looking out your window and I'm like, it's dark. Yeah, the Earth's definitely not flat, man. This is proof of it. I can see the sun <laughs> where you are. We are living yep. on our yeah, yeah. That would solve all those flat earth theories. Is just have a f-ing Skype call. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Why don't people just do that? Like, come on, come on. You're doing a master's, correct? Yep. And it's not specifically in musical theatre, by the sounds of it. No, no, it is. That was a that was an extra class to do the film music. Like, so that we do other stuff. Like, other, I explore other realms of music, but it's it's a musical theatre writing masters. Yeah. Right. Okay. And yeah. so, what does that involve? Like. What sort of things do you do? All day, every day, writing songs. Yeah, in the last semester, I've written upwards of 30, I think it's more than 30 songs now. I don't know exactly the exact figure, but I usually, uh, and um, it's it's about collaborating and creating moments. Creating. I, they made me write a play. I've written a play. Jeez, really? But yeah, basically it's just writing. It's like thinking about the dramatic moment, working out how to make a music that is not only like nice to listen to, but also like dramatically engaging and propels the narrative forward. Of course. Yeah, yeah. all that. But yeah, we, we look at all kinds of music and all kinds of theatre and even, you know, t- we look at kind of everything. We're looking at a, an Amazon Prime original series at the moment, seeing how the, that operates and then we're writing songs based on that. But basically it's lectures and uh, workshops and then sitting in a room, writing a song for six hours and then <laughs> and then going into a room, playing that song for Tony winners, Grammy winners and all around terrifying people and having them either say, this is brilliant or this is terrible and here's why. It's great. It's You get the most honest feedback you can want. They're like, this lyric is dumb or this musical phrase, why have you done it this way? This is simple. This is boring. And I feel like having that helps you grow as an artist so much more because it, it can be very easy to fall into a pat yourself on the back, pat each other on the back situation. Yeah. Um, and when you allow yourself to be like, no, I'm not perfect. I'm in a workshop stage. I, I want to learn and have someone actually say, this is what you're doing that's not working. These, these are your patterns as an artist. And these is, this is what you're doing. This is not serving the dramatic moment. Or you can say, this is what I was trying to do. And they'd be like, well, this is how you could do that better. Or So you're still, you're still learning. You're, it's, it's, oh, you're still learning so much. Completely. Yeah, I've learned more in the last five months than I've learned in a very long time. Um, really? So, yeah. like, is there is there that much of a difference between sort of the Australian university system of experience at NYU? It kind of depends, I think. I think this particular course is quite different to uh, the courses I did in Australia because the the you know there's it's it's less of an emphasis on the academics and the you know the essay writing or the argument or the as opposed to just creating the work and creating the craft and like actually hands-on doing it 
in Australia in the university it's like you're learning the theory whereas here it's like you're learning in, in this particular course I can't speak to all of American universities but it's like you're learning a trade and my trade mm-hmm. is writing as opposed to looking at it from a third person perspective which sometimes what was done in uh, at my university experience in Australia here it's like you are in it let's be in it let's write let's be creative let's be emotional let's explore let's play let's let's make mistakes let's write bad songs let's write good songs let's yeah that makes me think a lot about the way that I've been approaching sort of acting myself yeah. and whether that it is a trade or it is sort of that third person looking back and looking at sort of the parts of it. That's, that's really you interesting. Something all the live long day. And we do do analyzing of pieces here quite a bit as well, but actually making the thing and making the thing on such a regular basis that you're always getting better, always getting better, always working towards new stuff, I think is really, really helpful. And that's what I've really loved about this program. Because, yeah, in Australia, when I was doing my composition degree, I would write, you know, maybe five pieces of music, six pieces of music a semester, whereas here it's in one semester I've done 30. Yeah, jeez. Which is not good for the sleep schedule. And at the same time, we have a nine-to-five class load. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, that'd be pretty intense. Like, so you're in class nine to five lectures and uh, tutorials and workshops, and then you get home and you scoff down the quickest dinner you can, and then you're at the piano or with a notepad writing the next thing. And so it's it seems like you really enjoy being pushed to that, that sort of level. Would you recommend it? If, if people here in Australia are capable of it, they're suffering that ceiling that you were talking about, this, this thing that they couldn't break through as an emerging artist. It's definitely not something to do super lightly and just be like, oh, yeah, I'll, do, I'll, like, I'll see how it goes. Because obviously um, American universities uh, operate slightly differently than Australian universities financially, so they're much more expensive. I was very, very lucky to be given a scholarship to be able to come here. And that, that was just very lucky and I'm very fortunate. But it, it, and it's a lot of work and not something to take lightly. But, oh, absolutely. For the experience, if you're feeling like you're not getting anywhere where you are, the opportunities here, the people you can meet, if you're willing to work really, 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 really hard, then... Absolutely. This is this is the place to be. If you're really serious, if, if you're not if you're not serious about it, I'd be like, maybe, you know, have a think, uh, see how you're going. But if, you, if you're really serious and you want to give it a crack, then there's I mean, not that there's no other way. But I would say for me, there was no other way. I had to come here. Yeah, of course. But it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not work. If you like, I remember I was yeah when I was up at 5 a.m. before writing this song I was like I didn't feel mad about it because I was like wow that violin part sounds sick in some cases it's like I want to go to bed I hate this song I'm done with it but a lot of times it's like no like I'm jazzed about it I'm like yeah this sounds sick I don't want to go to sleep I want to keep writing and if you feel that way about it then yeah come here come to NYU and I mean or not just NYU there are a wealth of other fantastic places and there are fantastic places in Australia too but yeah like if you yeah take it seriously and take it to the next level no, yeah, sorry. I yeah, it's just I think the poor connection on I don't know the fact that you're the other side of the goddamn planet. What Gina and I worked out was that we were almost the furthest a long distance relationship could be. Yeah, actually, that's true. That's it's pretty far, isn't it? We were within I think uh, like a thousand kilometers of the furthest a long distance relationship could be geographically on the planet. Jesus. As opposed to like being like North and South Pole, but like. Yeah, that's. Like, when it, when you're in actual countries, that's as yeah. far as you can go. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what were we talking about before it went to absolute crap? Uh, we were obviously talking about you recommending going over there. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do it, Do it, but work hard. Yeah. Um, the thing. It's, 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 if, you, if you're serious about it, then absolutely, yeah, it's the way to go. Um, but there are a multitude of ways to succeed over in Australia as well. Um, you think? I, I, I mean, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
<laughs> like I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. As much as I like to pretend I am, because I'm bald now. Um, so I'm an intellectual. <laughs> there are a lot of ways to succeed, I think. But for me, it was like I, even if I didn't make it here in America, it was, it will, it'll always be something to come back to Australia and have either this credit here, and that that'll be really cool, or just to have had two years of my life over here and growing and learning. I think that. I like when you completely boil it down, even if this does completely fail for you. Yeah, at the very, good. very least, you learnt yeah. so much from this. Yeah. And yeah, even if I, you know, uh, give up on composing at some juncture and become whatever I end up becoming, a uh, Sparky, perhaps. <laughs> no, I, I, in fact, uh, if I had my time over again, I'd absolutely go to electrician school because you make way more money as an electrician than as a composer. Oh, yeah. God. I, I, if, you ask, if you tell me what to tell 18-year-old I'll do right now, it's go become an electrician. Oh, that's um, interesting because that's that'll be one of the questions. So we'll come back to that. <laughs> come back to that. Let's okay. Let's switch on to sort of yeah. more topics revolved around your sort of you as a musician. So yeah. I wanted to sort of talk about your creative process and how you go about making a song, if if you even have one. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a process, but I don't I don't know if I have a process. I think it's a it's always a weird question when you ask like, what's your process? For me, it's just like. It's just actually sitting down at the piano and doing it and just telling myself I have to come up with something in an hour. I don't care if it's good. I don't care if it's bad. I've just got to come up with something. Because I think for a long time for me, art was 90% procrastinating, 10% actually doing it. It's like you think, wow, it's so hard to write a piece of music or, you know, because it takes so long. But, like, if you stop procrastinating, it doesn't take that long to do. The best piece of advice I ever got, though, about, like, process and stuff is that no piece of art or piece of work that you do is ever going to be your magnum opus and never think it is. I mean, it won't be your magnum opus until it already is. So you just need to just create something. And if it's not good, who cares? Just throw it at the wall. Make a thing. Like, write a song. Is this a song boring? Oh, well. Write another song. Is that song a bit better? Maybe. And it's the, uh, I think Ed Sheeran has a really wonderful quote about it, which is, songwriting is like turning a tap on in a bad neighborhood. Is that you turn the tap on and you leave it running. And when you first turn it on, a bunch of comes out. But the longer you leave it running, it starts to become clean. And still, like, bits of dirt and bits of gunk will come out. But every now and again, you get clean stuff. And so the writing is the same process. You just got to keep doing it. And not like just... And not be like, this isn't good enough. It's not worth doing. Like this, like not being, not thinking this isn't gonna, this isn't the most amazing thing in the world. So it's not worth doing. Just write the thing and go get it performed and put it somewhere where someone can see it. And then yeah. in doing that, you get better at it because no one writes great stuff the first song. Bob Dylan wrote like 800 songs or something ridiculous. Yeah, you know, like compared to how many he released, he wrote a song like every single day. Jeez, that's crazy. And you just got to keep writing them. And yeah, you'll come up with a lot of trash. And I think it's because we, when we look at art, we always only see the finished product. And it seems like it's perfect and it came from nothing and it was just there and it was always there. But it's not. You just keep writing the shit stuff and then you got to work on it and refine it. And then eventually it'll be pretty cool. But like, don't slave over it. Don't like spend your entire life writing one piece. Because even then it might not be amazing. Like, just write a bunch of them and then one of them will turn out good. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, hopefully. And that's... I mean, if what's... none of them turn out good, then that's, that's fine too. Like, just write a bunch <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think... kind of just I just sit and I just do it, and I will yeah. have my computer open, and I will, or I will just be out of piano, or I'll be out of guitar, and I'll just if I find something cool, I'm like, this is this is pretty cool. Let's record it. Let's put it into my computer. Let's. It's almost like a play for you. You sort of just get on your instrument, and sort of like, oh, that sounds kind of cool, and you sort of just play around. It's literally like you becoming a child and playing with something and yeah. enjoying that something and then... Um, Especially when I'm messing around with, like, electronic music is that I will just open it up and I'll be like, this sounds like, like, like oh, this is Edge Synth Wave 36. 
that sounds kind of cool. And I'll click it. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really weird. And I'll like f- around with it for like 20 minutes and be like, oh, this is kind of dope. And it's it. It's just messing around. And when, when you're messing around and if you're in like, you know, get into the state of the character or whatever that you want to and like just mess around in that state and you kind of find something that's pretty cool. But it's, yeah, it's for me, for me, it's experimentation. I don't believe in divine inspiration. I don't th- I, mean, I mean, maybe it is a thing, but for me personally, it's not. I don't think I go, ah, oh, this is it. Like that doesn't happen to me. Oh, once or twice. Okay. Um, <laughs> And even the divine inspiration stuff, it's not always the best. It's not always great. It's just like, but the more you just sit and you mess around and yeah, you can create some cool stuff. I think what was so interesting about, about what you were talking about, how you just have to get there and you just have to do it is that I have interviewed five people now mm. and almost, oh no, every single one of them. And they're all in different professions. Mm. We've got a, a theater company owner. We've got an actor. We've got a director. We've got a musician. Yeah. And every single time it comes down to just doing it. Yeah. It's, which it's, it's terrifying. Like so many people like, oh, well, how, what would you recommend about this and that? And it just is like, just, just do it. Just get out. And if it's crap, it's crap. You have to fail to learn the new things. Like, yeah. Book the venue. Yeah. Book the venue. (laughs) And that's, I think there's something to that because it keeps coming up. So that'll be interesting to see if that evolves anywhere. But I haven't thought about it so much as I have when interviewing all of all of my interviewees. If you don't just do it, you'll never do it. Exactly. exactly. At some point, you've just got to do it. and but, but, but not slave over the fact that it has to be perfect. Let yeah. it be messy. Let it be shit. Mm. But make sure it exists. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you think, like, how, how has your music changed throughout, like, since you first entered university? Has it changed to such an extent that you can put a finger on it, or is it just you've gotten better at it? I say I, I, I use more seventh chords. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I know how certain, like, I, I know how to write for ladies now. I used oh. to write, my, when I tried to write songs for girls, like, I know how I would sing them, and female voices operate very differently to male voices, and I didn't know that for the longest time, and I just wrote high nonsense that sounded like trash. So that's a, um, a really, like, kind of black and white version of how it's changed, is that I just kind of know better how to do it. I think, I think it, it, it's changed it's, it, in that I know more about the instruments that I'm using and what I want to do, and it's, 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 I have a bigger toolbox. The, best, the more things you learn, there's just more tools in your toolbox. More, so I have a much broader range of things that I can do. At the start, I could only do one or two genres. I could do them relatively right. And now I'm like, I can put this genre, I can put some jazz, I can put rock, I can, blah, 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 I can put it together, and I can make something kind of new and kind of funky. At the same time, I'm like, some of the stuff I wrote when I was 15, I was like, that's pretty good. And, that was, I, like, and it, it comes from a place way purer than it would come from now, I think, some of that stuff. Because like, I didn't know what I was doing. And, I just, and like, I, I'd look at it now and I'd say, wow, that's much simpler than what I would do now. But I would also say at the same time that it's not any worse. That's what I felt at that moment, and that's how I expressed it that way. And I, yeah, I like the stuff I did when I was a dumb idiot. I could have liked a lot more than some of the stuff I've done when I'm a dumb idiot who's 20, however old I am now. Four, oh, four. Yeah, I was like, oh, you just forgotten, don't you? Uh, yeah. It sounds like it did change a lot. I think it just came from you understanding more about music. But yeah. you, your points on sort of the ideas that it came from a purer place, do you think yeah. you've... You, it's possible to get lost in your knowledge of music? Maybe. Uh, no, <laughs> probably not. I mean, it depends. Because, you know, an 18-year-old strumming two chords on a guitar can mean more than 
an incredible jazz fusion, old things like that can be more emotional. But it's it's from the perspective of the artist what they feel is most important. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can learn too much. I think I think every new thing you learn is wonderful. It's it's something you can use. But if you learn, if but if you're limiting yourself because you're like it has to be complex, then maybe you're losing sight of something. But no, I don't think you can. I don't think you can ever sort of lose yourself. I mean, you know, maybe I am currently losing myself, and I just have no idea. Um, I hope not. I don't I, think you are. I hope so. But like, you know, as long as you don't lose sight of what you actually want to do and the emotions you want to create with the art you want to create with the music you want to do, then no, I don't. I, I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know? Is there a preference for the sort of music that you make? Is there? sort of an emotion you lean towards or a sort of style that you prefer most? Sus chords. No. Uh, they're my favourite. Um, yeah. No, I like my, I I find what I love is doing something that's different that I haven't done yet. I like, so if, if I'm like, if I'm writing in one style for a really long time, I'll get bored of that style. I'm like, cool, I want to go just, I want to try something else. And when someone's like, hey, oh, I want to write a, what, what am I working on now? A film noir crime piano thing. I'm like, sure. I've never done that before. I have no idea how that would work. Let's do that. And so, like, yeah. my my current preference is just being like, yeah, sure, let's let's write a punk number, or like, you know, let's let's write a Disney princess song. Like, I I, I love just kind of trying it all and taking every flavor, because yeah, it, it can get for me if I'm writing the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, it can get a little repetitive. But I but I definitely at the same time do have habits. There's one chord progression I use in like 90% of my songs, but I love oh, yeah. it. Yeah, and I yeah. want what it is because that's my secret. Okay, yeah, no, 100% trade secrets. Keep them. Yeah. Don't don't want to know. Yeah, that's um that's interesting in itself. And and when when you're sort of making these, so you compose thirty songs, what in your first semester? Yeah. Jesus Christ! Like how much? Because I'm not aware of how to write music in any way, shape, or form. When you write these songs, does it become an emotional journey? Because that's what I think I'm picking up on with you. More, more so than it used to be. I think I've kind of had had a resolution or like. A point to like to feel more and connect more emotionally with the stuff that I'm doing as opposed to just writing it purely as an intellectual like craft exercise which you can do as a composer you can you can be just thinking about the craft and the numbers and the chord progressions and the symbol and you know can you, you can go you can get into that world but so now I'm like trying to like take a step back and let myself actually be like well what do I actually feel in this moment what do I feel for this character and like creating music in that way um which is why like being an actor is kind of helpful it's like I'm I'm acting um, but instead of using my face and my body, I'm using my fingers and my instruments. And so, like, you, you feel how that character would feel, and you, you play the song that you think that character would play at that moment. And so, yeah, I, I think I've definitely become more emotionally led in the last couple of months slash years um, as it's gone by. I think it's, 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 it's a trajectory towards more and more being emotionally open. And the more emotionally open you are with yourself, the more emotionally open you can be with your art. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that is particularly hard. That's something I'm struggling with is becoming more emotionally in tune with myself so my art can be more genuine, I would yeah. say. It also just makes your life better. Have a good cry every now and then. <laughs> uh, words to live by, right? Words to live by. Just cry every now and again, and you feel way better. I think it's great. I think it's the best thing you can do as as an artist, but then again, at the same time as a person. Just have, have, you, have you cried a lot while you've been over in New York? Oh, have been... Yeah. And now it's like, it used to be like, when it's like, it's like, I'm not a masculine thing to cry is what I used to think. And then I was, and you see, but like now it's like so good. It's like, oh, you feel like I'm going to cry? Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, let's cry, man. <laughs> uh, and like, let's happen. It. It's yeah. really enjoyable and spiritual. And just to be like, 
here I am right now. Here's my moment. Here's, my, here's, my, here's what I'm feeling. And I'm okay with it. And it's like, okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be, and the more you feel, then you can put it into your stuff and you can put it into your relationships. Yeah. I, I, I strong advocate for a good cry. Oh uh, yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> like I know you're, you've still got a year and a bit left of this master's degree. Yep. Where do you see yourself going in this industry? That's the big question. Um, following the completion of this course, I can do this thing called OPT, which is an, it's a year-long extension to my visa um, where I would get work in my field. Um, and so I, thankfully, this program has incredible networking opportunities for after you leave. Like, so the pathways, are, because the industry in New York City and in America is much larger than Melbourne and Australia is at the moment, the opportunities do, they're still competitive and hard to get, but the opportunities do exist. Um, and so there are there are sort of pathways kind of quasi lined up for me. At the end of my program, I'll have uh, written another whole show, um, which is really exciting. And if that goes well, then try to get it chucked up somewhere, get it performed. Or, but at the same time, I'll also have a network of like I've worked with fifteen lyricists who I've loved working with all of them. Who maybe I'll just write shows with them. And like, like yeah, I, I ha- and I will just continue to write and continue to do stuff until uh, global warming happens and we all die. <laughs> Jesus, that end spin! Oh my God! Till coronavirus kills it all. There we go. It kills it all. Yeah. yeah. I have now your video. Own video. Your podcast. <laughs> ah, same thing. Because right? when this releases in like six weeks, coronavirus just won't be a thing anymore, and we'll all be over it. I uh, mean, yeah. Or, or we'll all be dead. So. <laughs> yeah, with this will never release because everyone has died. I'm actually now very excited to see how well this comment ages. Like, yes, I was so disappointed with Ebola because everyone was like, this is going to kill us all. And then it didn't. And I was like, okay, well, when this coronavirus thing came out, I was like, what do you got, mate? Everyone's freaking out. I'm like, I've been through this before, man. You can't. This, you can't scare me. This is yeah. easy. This is nothing. Um, I had swine flu. <laughs> you, wait, you had? I, I had swine flu. Oh, my God. How the hell did you manage that? My dad's a doctor, and I think he must have uh, dealt with a patient. Like, I was the only person in Mildura who got it, and I was quarantined three weeks. I had one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's proper sucked. Keep this in the podcast. This is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. For three yeah. weeks. Yeah, How man. old were you? Uh, I think I was, like, 14, maybe? Yeah, it sucked. That was proper bad. So I'm happy to ask the final question. Oh, uh, what's the final question? It's a question that I ask all my um, all my interviewees, and I always get quite interesting sort of feedback from it, uh, sort of responses. It's it's the simple question of just if you could give advice to your younger self, what would you say? Go be an electrician. <laughs> yeah, and that's said that before, and I was like, ah, okay, well that's been answered then. <laughs> but as as an artist, Earl, what what would you what would you tell yourself? Keep doing it. No one cares about the little mistakes as much as you do. No one cares about it as much as you do. So you've got to care about it. And yeah, don't waste all your time waiting for the right moment because the right moment doesn't come. You've got to make the right moment. Yeah, don't wait for it. Just it's just what we said before. It's like it's just just do it. I remember like, with the original pining for affection. We were like. What, when we, we took it to the comedy fest, it was like, we didn't have to do it. No one asked us to do it. No one wanted us to do it. But we did it and we had fun. And if I didn't do that, maybe I wouldn't be here. Yeah, I think it, I think it, 
does come back to just being able to just do it and that yeah. and that no one cares about it as much as you do so you have to do it yeah like yeah no um, one wants you to put on your little show until you put it on and then they go oh this is actually pretty good exactly exactly yeah. and i love that i wish we could all be you know i wish we all pushed for what we wanted just a little bit more yeah um, and there's a reason why not to you know? Like, you're making your exactly. podcast. You're like, I want to make a podcast. No one told you to. Yeah, and I still have no idea what I'm doing. No. And, but you've got the uh, headphones on, you've got the microphone set up, you've got the little pop shield there on your mic, I noticed. That, like, it's either you're serious, you're not messing about. I'm just doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, uh, it's been a logistical nightmare because I editing is terrifying and everything. Yeah. And, um, and the interviews themselves, like the fact that I just messaged you up, and I was like, hi, Earl, we haven't spoken in a long time. So it's like, oh, okay, this is going to yeah. be really weird. And to to interview you is very nerve-wracking, because it's like, what what do I ask? What are the things I ask? And uh, But it's been, it's been a journey that I've definitely enjoyed, and I'm so glad that you could sort of come along for this. Have you done like this on, like, FaceTime, or, like, uh, are they all been in your room, or have you done them all online, or...? I've done them in both ways. So yeah. there's, I've done a few in my room and I've done a few through Skype because obviously I can't fly to New York and be like, hi Earl, let's do a podcast. I mean, maybe not by episode four, but like, you know, five or six, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cool one and you'd be getting flight. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing yeah. this, Earl. It's All been, because right. not only did, I didn't know this much about you and sort of your journey with music, but it was, it was quite interesting. And hopefully the listeners sort of, if they do want to be musicians, get a little bit more of an understanding of paths they can take and things yeah. that might stop them and sort of that kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, once again, thank you so much, Al. No worries, man. listened to my interview with Earl Marrows. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly laughed a lot in this interview, but it also, uh, it had an impact on me, especially when he was discussing his ideas around all kinds of art not being separate entities, but they are in fact always in conversation with one another. Uh, <laughs> what a great quote. Uh, there's certainly a lot to unpack there, um, and I now have the time to unpack it, I suppose. So a question I raised to Blake in episode one was that if moving to larger cities or even to other countries was necessary to become successful. Um, I'm using, using air quotes there. And, and not that Earl definitively answered that question, but for him and his journey, he does feel that it was necessary. He also pointed out that if you are going to move, whatever art form it may be, it has to be for your heart, uh, which I love. I, I really wanted to interview Earl because his journey is one of a, a man growing up in a quite remote town. He moves to Melbourne to, to further his interests in art, he completes a five-year degree with honours, and at the end of that degree, he finds his passion in, in the culmination of both theatre and music. 
which thankfully is musical theatre composing. And then he took this massive risk and this massive leap to follow that overseas. It's just amazing. So I hope you got something out of this, because I definitely did. So you only have to wait another two weeks until the next episode is out. Uh, the next episode, I get to interview a... He's a voice actor, and he teaches at a university, and he's begun by pushing that even further, and he's taking part in an overseas training program that will make him the only one of his kind in Australia. So, yeah, look forward to that, and in the meantime, keep making art and being spectacular. <laughs>